Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, we are going to be continuing our, our study of the fruit of the Spirit and um, talking about how the Spirit produces within us both good traits and characteristics, but also good works and opportunities for evangelism. Because when the Spirit lives within us and flows out of us, these characteristics result. And today, we move to uh, the trait of kindness. We talked about patience last week, and, and as, as I get to some of these like kindness, boy, they they can be kind of difficult because kindness is a word that has become kind of a generic concept. Uh, we, we think of kindness as this general politeness to people around us. The kindness is mentioned specifically here, as are all of these traits, and different translations will give you different words because there's some overlap between how the language reads originally and what those words mean, but in most translations you have kindness. And that feels very vanilla. It feels very plain. It feels very generic. Well, yes, we're to be kind to people. We teach our children that from a very young age. Be kind to one another. Be kind to other people. Kindness is important. And it's easy to begin to think that that's kind of the default position of the world, that that we should be kind to one another. If you live in Wisconsin, sometimes you can get the sense that it's the default position of the world. People here, if you've never lived outside of this state, it's different here. There's a, there is a kindness. There is a, 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 an attitude that is different than other places that, that I've been to and have lived in. Uh, just a thoughtfulness for other people. And that's very important, but it is also important to know that kindness is not necessarily the default position of the rest of the world. Kindness is not a natural attribute of humanity. We read in the Proverbs in chapter 3 and in verse 3, the writer says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, put forth effort to make sure that truth and kindness are a part of who you are because that's not a, a part of who everyone is. And you have to work at being kind and clinging to truth. To bind it around your neck, to write it on your heart, would have been an example of what you need to do or an indication of the level of effort you have to expend to be a person who has those traits about them. How do we know that it is contrary to our nature, contrary to the nature of humanity, to be kind? How do we know that we're being called to something different when we are called to be kind. Well, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, to not be conformed any longer to the world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind so that you can prove God's perfect and pleasing will. So he calls us, and, and through the Holy Spirit, calls us to be different than the world around us. Now that same author will then spend a lot of time in his other letters, Paul does, talking about the characteristics we should have as people of God. Well, if he's telling us to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed and be renewed in our minds, 
by God and then lists some characteristics we should have as people of God, there's an implicit contrast there. It means that those things that Paul's talking about are not the natural way of the world. And in Ephesians chapter 4, that Christian read for us, he talks about needing to have kindness for one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. In fact, let's back up to verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Verse 32. Now this is an implicit contrast. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. There's a lot to unpack in those verses. There's a lot that Paul is saying in very few words, which is not necessarily common for him. So this is an important passage. First, there is the contrast, obviously, between what the world, how, how the world interacts with one another and how God is calling us to act. But there's also an interesting concept here about the Holy Spirit. Now, in all of the passages we've read as we've studied the fruit of the Spirit, we've used... Galatians as the jumping off point. We've used Paul's list of the, the fruit of the Spirit as the kind of the launching pad for examining other places in Scripture where those characteristics are brought out and explained. And in almost every case, I hope, hope you've noticed this, in almost every case where we find examples of things like patience and, and love and joy and all of that, we see a mention of the Holy Spirit. And here it is again. As Paul begins this exhortation, he begins this encouragement and admonishment by saying, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't make things painful for God because the Holy Spirit is present. And when you live contrary to the calling of the Spirit, you grieve it. It's like, it, it's like when Paul would talk about crucifying the Son of God all over again by our sin. By, by how we live, we bring pain to God and to the Spirit and to the Son. And so he mentions the Spirit there and says, don't grieve the Spirit. So the implicit inverse of that is bring joy to God and bring joy to the Holy Spirit and live true to what the Spirit is calling you to. And that starts with kindness. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? trying to think about that and put that into words, into something that was explainable and concise. And the only thing I could keep thinking of was my dad. See, my dad grew up in a very close-knit family. Um, and it's of the four of them. My dad had an older brother who was two years older than him. Uh, his dad and their mom, they were all together. And, and they lived in this nice, small little town in northeast Arkansas. And they were very close. Um, but my my uncle, my dad's brother, passed away in 1996. He was 38 years old. Sudden, unexpected thing. He was gone. And then in 2004, my grandfather passed away. And my grandmother is now in not rapidly declining health, but she is of advanced age and beginning to struggle with memory and, and the things that go along with just getting older. And I remember growing up, I had a little brother. Now, he was 10 years younger than me, so we, had a, we, had, we lived in different worlds. But as we've gotten older now, that starts to level off, right? I'm 33, he's 23. Um, 
My dad would say to us, and still does, and we've never really fought much, but sometimes we've gotten, gotten into it, my brother and I, and he says, if you want to kill me, if you want to send me to an early grave, just make sure the two of you never get along. Because he doesn't have his brother around. He doesn't have his father around. And all he ever cared about and the thing that was held up as the highest value growing up was the unity of the family. And so for my dad, the thing that would absolutely grieve him the most is to see his children fighting. And he has said that more times than I can, I can remember. If you, if you want to put me in an early grave, just make sure you guys don't get along. Because nothing hurts more than to see his children fighting. That grieves my father. The thought of it. That's the only example I could think of. The closest thing to what, what, it, what happens when we live in a way that is contrary to what the spirit within us calls us to. We are denying a basic truth about who we are to live according to the world when we have been called out of the depths of the world and into the salvation of Christ Jesus. It grieves the Holy Spirit. It hurts the Spirit because it is contrary to the nature of what Christians ought to be. And so that's how Paul begins that passage. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, and then list the things to get rid of, the bitterness and the wrath and the anger and the things that are normal in the world, the things that come commonly with people. And then in verse 32, the verse we know well, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other. Now, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just say, do this, be this. He gives a reason. It comes at the very end of verse 32. Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. There is something that changes us when we become Christians. There's something different about us once we have encountered Jesus. We cannot encounter Jesus and leave that interaction unchanged. If we're truly accepting of him, it transforms us. Now, there's a lot of reasons why. Yes, absolutely, one of the biggest transformative experiences we'll have with Christ is our salvation being made true and secure. The blood of Christ does amazing transformative things, and in baptism, when we receive the gift of that blood and that death, our souls are transformed. Our sins are washed away. Our eternal life is redeemed. And we are at peace with God. But there's also some more practical day-to-day -day things that change about us when we become Christians. There's some things that play out in real life, and that's what Paul talks about is the fruit of the Spirit. It's how you live in the meantime when we're on our journey to that eternal life that Christ's blood has bought us. We live as a people who've been given a second chance. I watched a documentary. Um, it was about the methamphetamine problem in central Arkansas. So, you know, I'm seeing old friends. And, um, but it's a real serious, I mean, it's one of the worst places in the country for, for meth. The, the cartels from Mexico bring um, 
you know, th this stuff up over the border and, and it's distributed. And, and this documentary followed a family of users and dealers and also followed the law enforcement that were in the middle of a major, major operation called Ice Storm. And I remember this because I was living there at the time, uh, where they were doing sting operations and arresting users and dealers in order to try and get to the higher-ups, right? And trying to flip them and, and move up. <coughs> Excuse me. And the number of people that were being arrested for the third, fourth, and fifth time, and they were showing their pictures. Now, um, I've never really been tempted to use illegal drugs, illegal substances. Um, having had described to me what some of them do to you, yeah, I can maybe get it on a couple of them. I can understand why that would appeal to someone. Meth is not one of those. I do not get it. But seeing these people being arrested, they're flipping through the mug shots for the last four years. Okay, we arrested them four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, and you're watching this person who is aged four years in real time on paper in this picture age about 30 years. You know, they're 41 years old and they look like they're 80 because that's what it does to you. And they've been arrested and they've gone to jail and they do six months, 10 months, they come out and they're right back in it because they can't stop. And we look at that and we have a lot of judgment and maybe rightly so because this is a foolish thing with a deadly, deadly substance and people are ruining their lives with it and how could you squander a second, third, and fourth chance at life? As I'm watching it and thinking to myself, how do, you, how do you get so many chances and not care enough about your life that you squander it? You had a chance to, you know, one kid, he's arrested two or three times in the course of this show, in the course of this documentary. And he gets another chance and another chance and another chance and he throws it away. And with all the judgment in my heart for someone that would do that over an addictive substance, I don't know that I've looked in the mirror very often and asked myself the same question, but I should because every time I make a choice to do what the Spirit is not telling me to do, or every time I choose to ignore what the Spirit is asking me to do, I squander my second chance. Spiritually, I am no better off than the drug addict who's released and is right back in prison a month later. My recidivism rate isn't great. That's what we do when we grieve the Holy Spirit. We squander a second chance because we ignore that these fruits of the Spirit, these characteristics, these qualities that we produce when the Spirit is within us, the, the things that we put out into the world as evidence of who we are and as the, the message that we're sending about God and what he does, we forget, we forget that that is the God speaking through us. We forget that that is the way the message is proliferated. And we forget that all of those characteristics that we are to exude are the very characteristics that were given to us when God sent his son. They're the very characteristics of God 
as he reached down and pulled us out of sin. We're merely reflecting who he is when we produce these fruits. And so to deny that is to squander and ignore what was given to us. Because with love and joy and seeking peace and with great patience, God reached down and showed kindness. And we'll see as we continue and finish this series, all those characteristics that are produced in us by the Spirit are the characteristics of God. We cannot be closer to God than when we share the characteristics that he himself possesses. Paul writes in Romans chapter 2, in verse 4, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? Paul's talking about the sin. Let's not forget the context of the book of Romans we got Jews and Gentiles who are brothers and sisters in Christ, but who are different ethnically fighting with one another over who gets to be first in line. The Jews who were God's chosen people, the Gentiles who, to be fair, didn't murder Jesus. So they think they've got a leg up on the Jews. So they're fighting. And Paul is in the midst of making a point. You, you Jews... You're lost because of your sin. You Gentiles, you're lost because of your sin. Everybody's lost because of their sin. And the only escape from it is going to be Jesus. That's what Paul's in the middle of doing right here in the book of Romans. And he reminds them about how they treat one another and how they live. Look at verse 2. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O oh man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? And then to verse 4, which we just read, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience? When you fail to treat others with kindness, when you fail to show patience and love and all of those things to others, you are ignoring the second chance you were given and the reasons for being given it. That's what Paul says. Out of kindness, out of love, out of patience, God waited with us and held our hands and sent us an answer, his son. Out of kindness and love and patience and tolerance, he did that. And now we've been given this opportunity to see heaven, to live forever, to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. And we can show up here on Sunday and we can be faithful and we can go into the world and proclaim the gospel, but if we don't treat people right, then we are forgetting the most important part of our salvation, why God did it. That's what Paul says. You, you can do everything else right, but if you don't treat people well, then you are not demonstrating the most fundamental characteristic of God himself to show kindness to us. God showed us kindness in rescuing us from hell. And in response, 
We have to live differently than this world and show kindness to those who are still in danger of hell. This fruit of the Spirit is the reflection of God's glory. It is what is produced when we live lives open to letting God transform us. And the Spirit is present in Scripture everywhere these characteristics are mentioned. And we're being pleaded with, don't let kindness be one of those that you set aside as this you know, default position, this generic sort of attitude. Yeah, love is, love is a complex one, and joy is fairly complex. And peace and patience, yeah, those are tough, and we need to define those, and, and those are fleeting things that we chase. But kindness is just saying howdy to your neighbor and being nice. And No, it's so much more than that. Kindness is so much deeper and so much harder. It's not how we're made. But God showed it to us. And by that, we were transformed. And therefore, we, not conforming to the world, but being transformed by God and by the Spirit, must show it to others. We must show how valuable that second chance was to us, what it meant to us, and never squander it and let the Spirit produce things within us. We live differently. We are called to live differently, and we ought to live differently. Now, there are some who live very differently. There are people who, whose faith compels them to to. to live in ways that are well outside the norm of society. People take vows of poverty. People separate themselves from the community. And, and that's some for some people the kind of differently they need to be. Most of us aren't that way. Most of us, we live pretty normal, quote-unquote, lives. And that's okay, too. You can be in the world and not of the world, as the saying goes. But we have to guard our hearts every day. We have to wake up every day and make a choice. And it is a choice. When we, we clothe ourselves with Christ, clothing is something we choose every day. Well, hopefully. Again, that goes back to the mainstream of society thing. So. But we do. We make a choice. And we choose every day also to put on Christ and to put on the attitude of Christ and to remember the attitude that brought us our salvation. And kindness was a part of that. So let each and every one of us demonstrate what that kindness has meant to us by showing it to others. That's what we're called to. This morning, if you are struggling in your relationship with God, in your relationships with others, if you're hurting, if you're uh, troubled, if you're riddled with guilt and pain, understand that that is a part of this life. And it may seem like you are so far from God and he is so high above us that how could he possibly understand? Well, he's already thought of that. And he sent his son, Jesus, to live here so that when we cry out, God, it is hard down here. He says, I understand. Jesus told me all about it. God is able to come to our aid because through his son, he has lived this life. He understands our grief and our pain. If you're willing to be transformed by him today through prayer or through baptism, we hope that you'll make that choice as we stand together.
and while we sing. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at MonroeWICOC at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.